Monday, July 5th, 2021, Lopez Richardson was last seen by his former wife around 11 p.m. in Spring, Texas. At that time, he had just dropped their daughter off at her home. Shortly before his disappearance, he had a strange conversation with her and expressed fear for his life from an altercation or some form of exchange with someone. Days later, Lopez's truck was found in Howe, Texas, which is five hours away from his home in Rosenberg, Texas. Not only was his truck found, but it was found dumped with questionable actions from law enforcement, his apartment was broken into twice, and his phone, memory cards, and cameras that were in his truck were all wiped clean as if someone was trying to conceal something. I also want to mention that Lopez, or Paz as he was often referred to, is a part of a motorcycle club, which may play a large part in the days leading up to his vanishing. What could have happened to Lopez Richardson, and where is he today? Did he walk away from his life to save his life and family, or was it something far more sinister where the closest people to him were involved in making him disappear? This is the Missing Found Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Harlow. Before we get into the case, I have a few details to share about the show. The Missing Found is a true crime podcast focusing mainly on unsolved missing person cases in the Black community. The cases that I cover have either gone cold, have little to no media coverage, or have gone without conclusion. You can follow the show on Instagram at The Missing Found or on Medium at The Missing Found to read our script. I also would like to mention that we have a case suggestion form in the show notes or description box that you can complete to submit your case suggestions that are of the Black and Missing. We have a Patreon that's now available for you to become a member in our private community to discuss cases deeper beyond our case analyses through live discussions, ad-free episodes, gain complimentary access to our original script, early releases, and bonus content, and much more that's exclusive for members only. The show is now available on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. I ask that you please like, share, and subscribe, and comment to share your thoughts on this case. This is case episode 8, The Disappearance of Lopez Richardson. The Company We Keep We have to be careful of the company we keep. Sometimes we can use the term friends loosely. The very people we call friends may not have our best interest, and we don't always know that until it's too late. Then, you have friends that are your friends until something goes wrong. Maybe you crossed the line, but it didn't warrant a break in your friendship. What happens when you have a group of friends that may be harboring a secret? Today we're discussing the mysterious disappearance of Lopez Richardson. Lopez went missing in Texas shortly after a cryptic phone call with his former spouse, who we will refer to as Taylor. For the sake of privacy, at her request in what I've seen in her latest interview and on social media. Lopez's disappearance is, in my opinion, odd. 
but not necessarily because there does seem to be motive and also questionable actions from the people closest to him, but because of the suspicions surrounding his case. It has left me with many questions, and most of them I do analyze in this case analysis. I do believe my analysis will allow you to ask yourself some questions about this case to examine the possibilities and the multifaceted angles of Lopez's disappearance. Without getting much help from law enforcement, Taylor seemingly has been left to search for Lopez by herself. I hope my analysis does exactly that for her. The most important elements in this case is the lack of crime scene management, time, and the motive behind this. So how does a father, business owner, author, and a dedicated member of a biker club go missing? We're going to offer a fresh look at the case details that we know in 2023, retrace the steps that Lopez took, search efforts, dissect the cities that he may have been in, the last call he made to Taylor, and my closing thoughts. So who was Lopez Richardson? Lopez Cordell Richardson was born on April 18, 1989, in a small town in Mississippi. There aren't much details on Lopez's upbringing or his background except what we've heard about in an interview with Taylor in social media. However, he is described by Taylor as being ambitious. They met in college while working at a local pizza hut, then soon after got married and started a family. Together, both Taylor and Lopez share a daughter who is 11 years old today. In November 2015, Taylor filed for a legal separation or a dissolution from Lopez. Though this does not hold a great detail of relevancy in the case, nor does it help with his disappearance, but it is a part of Lopez's story and what I've come across in my research. It's not clear why the marriage was dissolved. I want to also mention that being that they are no longer together or legally separated, because I've heard both, but seen the paperwork for the former, it is important to note that Taylor has been the most vocal and active in finding Lopez publicly. This is not to say that no one else is helping, but on the forefront, we've seen Taylor speaking out. Both Lopez and Taylor still kept in constant contact and maintained a healthy relationship for their children, from what we gathered in research. Before disappearing, Lopez was a part of a motorcycle club, All Sports Riders MC, and he referred to his members as his brothers which is typical in motorcycle clubs to refer to their members as their brothers. I will revisit this element in the case because they are a large part of Lopez and possibly have information relevant to his disappearance. Lopez was heavy into art, and not too long ago, in early 2021, he opened his tattoo shop in Rosenberg. His shop was called Dear Life Tattoos. He was doing pretty well with his business, had just purchased new inventory, and in the process of doing some minor updates to the shop, and released his book, Hellbent, in 2019. This alone makes it hard to believe Lopez just suddenly walked away from his life, but not impossible. The Case Details On the late evening of Monday, July 5, 2021, at around 11 p.m., Lopez had dropped their daughter off with her mother, Taylor, in Spring, Texas. Spring is one hour away and 60 miles from his apartment in Rosenberg, Texas. 
It is believed that Lopez did, in fact, make it home, or at least to the city of Rosenberg, due to a reported sighting around midnight in the area. Now, I cannot confirm where he went driving after arriving in Rosenberg, if he made any stops en route to his home, or if he went straight home. After driving towards and arriving in Rosenberg, after leaving Spring, this would have put him in the direction of southbound, which is in the opposite direction of where his truck was later found. Prior to his disappearance, Lopez spoke with Taylor and expressed some interesting concerns. Lopez felt that someone was out to get him. Taylor said that he told her, I got involved with the wrong people. I got into this for business. I disrespected the wrong person, and I can't get a chance to apologize. The last time anyone heard from Lopez, on record, is July 7, 2021, sometime after 7 p.m. Here is the last recorded phone call that we can assume was Lopez's last or one of his last conversations with his daughter and Taylor prior to going missing. Hello? I'm just telling you how sorry I am. It's okay. I know it is. Sound good. I'm just going to get such a sweet other. I want you to continue to be that. All right? Mm-hmm. All right. I love you. Love you, too. Bye, baby. Bye. According to Taylor, Lopez never mentioned who he was referring to, who he disrespected, and the circumstances behind it. But she does have an idea of who Lopez was referring to, but it's merely speculation. However, after not hearing from Lopez, making several unsuccessful attempts to call him and her concerns after that phone call, Taylor reported him missing with the Rosenberg Police Department on Thursday, July 8, 2021. Only a day later, on Friday, July 9, 2021, Lopez's truck, a white 2014 Dodge Ram 1500 pickup truck with temporary Texas license plates was found dumped in a heavily wooded area near train tracks in Howe, Texas, which is five hours from Rosenberg. He also spoke with Taylor and their daughter. The call was an odd call, with him apologizing to his daughter. It's not clear exactly what he was apologizing for, but it is believed he may have known what was coming and relevant to the person he disrespected. Thursday, July 8th, Taylor reported Lopez missing. Friday, July 9th, at around 12.45 p.m., Sergeant Keith Milk of Howe Police Department notified Grayson County Dispatch regarding an abandoned vehicle on or near the DGNO McKinney Subdivision Railroad Track, which is one-third north of Ponderosa Street. At 14.16 hours, Deputy Jimmy Leverett arrived at the scene of the vehicle and noted that the vehicle was partially in a ravine. The rear of the truck was in the ravine. Tuesday, July 13th, Detective Flores from Rosenberg contacted the sheriff's office in reference to the abandoned vehicle. He advised that the vehicle is registered to a missing person in Rosenberg, Texas. 
Detective Flores also contacted Taylor to inform her the vehicle belonging to Lopez Richardson has been located. Thursday, July 15th, Deputy Leverett advised the Grayson County Sheriff's Office that he spoke with the BNSF Railway and they declined to assist. He then briefed Lieutenant Wester on the vehicle and the findings, and they determined that the railroad actually belongs to Dallas Garland Railroad Company, which is DGNO. Lieutenant Wester advised DGNO of the vehicle, but they also declined to assist. Friday, July 16th, Deputy Leverett responded back to the scene of the abandoned vehicle. Texoma Auto Care was contacted and responded to the scene also. Texoma Auto Care offers record services and towing. They assessed the scene and determined that they would need to drive on the tracks to get to the vehicle. Adam Mott, an employee from DGNO, who was employed as the track inspector, did not grant consent to allow the record operator, which is Texoma Auto Care, to enter the scene via the railroad tracks. The scene was then cleared due to them not being able to get consent to get to the vehicle. The owner of the property that is west of the tracks either did not give consent or did not respond to the request. Wednesday, August 11th, Deputy Leverett contacted Charles Floresheim, who owns the property in the 300 block of Ponderosa Street, which is adjacent to the DGNO railroad tracks. Mr. Floresheim granted consent to allow recovery of the vehicle. Texoma Auto Care later arrived on the scene and took possession of the vehicle. Deputy Leverett conducted inventory of the vehicle and it was impounded at Texoma Auto Care. The items retained were a wallet with his credit cards and his driver's license, GoPro camera, digital camera, and shoes that were stuck in the mud nearby the site of the vehicle. The wooded area was checked on foot and through drones to cover bird's eye view. There was no sighting of Lopez. We even went to the area where they found his uh, truck abandoned. The pickup was located five hours away in the woods near train tracks of a small town that Lopez had no known ties to. The search efforts. Upon locating the vehicle, according to law enforcement, as stated by Taylor, they conducted a search of the area and the interior of his vehicle and found nothing. This is what they communicated to Taylor. After the alleged search, Lopez's truck sat for 35 days straight in the same area, in the wooded terrain, covered in trees, a nearby creek, and near railroad tracks. The reason the truck sat for 35 days is because the railroad company, that I'm assuming owns the land, did not grant law enforcement permission to remove the truck. As stated, law enforcement claims to not find anything in the truck, but it would later prove that statement to be false. This is mainly in part due to the police not actually or thoroughly searching the truck, as they initially stated. The truck was treated as an abandoned vehicle instead of belonging to a missing person. This was mainly due to not being able to get the railroad company to consent to allow the wrecker to access the railroad tracks to get to Lopez's vehicle. Taylor and her family initiated and performed their own search for Lopez early into his disappearance. They searched downtown Rosenberg, which turned up nothing. 
than Texas EquiSearch, a search and rescue organization dedicated to searching for missing persons, was brought into the search in September 2021. In order to bring them on board, it had to be cleared by Rosenberg PD since they were covering the case. With it taking this long, time was lost and any evidence could have been destroyed. Prior to bringing Texas EquiSearch on board in September, on August 12th or 13th, law enforcement had informed Taylor that there were, in fact, items that were found inside and in the vicinity of Lopez's truck. Since law enforcement suspected no foul play, which I'm unsure how or why they concluded to that, the scene was not blocked off, making it accessible to anyone who chose to visit the site. Which I must mention that Taylor said in an interview with Fox 26 News anchor Caitlin Monty that some of Lopez's motorcycle club brothers actually visited the site of his truck on August 7th. This sparked concern for Taylor since the area was unsecured and his truck was still there, making it susceptible for anyone to plant or remove items from what could possibly be a crime scene or any possible evidence or add things that were not a part of evidence. After Taylor spoke with law enforcement on August 12th or 13th, the items that were discovered were a wallet, camera, memory cards, another digital camera, and his sneakers that were found near his truck that were stuck in mud. Taylor and her best friend went to Howe to take a closer look at the truck and noticed that one of his cell phones were actually in the truck and the position of the gear shift was in reverse, which she thought was odd. And I will explain this later into the analysis. Oddly, Lopez's GoPro camera, his digital camera, and memory cards were wiped clean. Nothing stuck out about his wallet that we know of, except there was only $2 of cash in his wallet. Credit cards and driver's license. This may or may not hold any value since we don't know how much was originally in his wallet. After locating his cell phone, she noticed that it wasn't wiped clean, but there was some something that stuck out to her. Certain things like text messages, calls, and certain apps were deleted. The text messages and calls after June 23rd were gone. The message app that's on iPhone was also deleted. Once Taylor reinstalled it, she noticed that those text messages after June 23rd were gone. They were deleted. Taylor knew it was strange because even the messages between her and Lopez were gone. Lopez had their daughter on or around that day of June 23rd, 2021. It was their daughter's birthday, and they were texting, sending photos and videos, which were also gone. Lopez's disappearance had no suspicion of foul play, according to law enforcement, and even still today. How Texas, Grayson County. Before we go into the case elements, so we can delve into the intricate details, I want to first discuss the demographics and distance into Howe. Lopez has no ties to Howe or Grayson County that Taylor knows of. As of 2022, Howe has a racial demographic of white, 82.24%, two or more races, 6.80%, black or African American, 4.59%, and Native American. 4.06%. 4.06%. As of 2022, 
Grayson County has a racial demographic of white, 74%, Hispanic, 14.2%, and black, 5.4%. I wanted to include these statistics to give context of the city and county in which Lopez truck was found. Howe is located northbound from Rosenberg and is five hours away. In order to get to Howe, Lopez would have had to drive past or through Springs to get there. Now, I've read many comments about Howe. Some have alluded to it being a sundown town. A sundown town is a town that excluded non-white people, mainly African Americans, from remaining in town after sunset. This is prominent in U.S. history and, unfortunately, is still in existence today in some states. When African Americans are in sundown towns after sunset, things tend to go wrong, resulting in it being a danger to our life. It is highly unsafe to be in those areas. Now, I have not come across anything to say how is a sundown town, but with the low percentage of the Black demographic in the city and county as a whole, it's... It's not far-fetched. My reasoning for bringing this up is because it may dictate to the lack of law enforcement attentiveness to this case. I'm not for certain, but I thought I would mention this because it has been mentioned numerous times from commentators. I want to also mention that Taylor does not believe Lopez's disappearance is racially charged, but more so the people in his circle having information or being responsible. She also does not believe Lopez was ever in Howe, but his car was driven and dumped there. Lopez and the truck stop across state lines. Lopez's debit card was used at R&R truck stop at 102 Dewey Bartlett Road in Henrietta, Oklahoma on Thursday, July 8th. Henrietta is a seven-hour drive from Rosenberg, 6.5 hours from Spring, and 2.5 to 3 hours from Howe. It was never made public exactly what the debit card was used for at the truck stop, but no money was ever withdrawn from the card, even though he had a large amount of money in his bank account at the time. R&R Truck Stop has several amenities. I want to share those amenities to communicate the different ways his debit card could have been used while there. The amenities are 24-hour diesel, ATM, convenience store, motel, parking, lighted area, paved lot, RV gasoline, RV parking, and a trailer drop. Law enforcement claimed that they did review surveillance footage and did not see Lopez anywhere in sight on that day. So who used this card? The racial demographics in Henrietta, Oklahoma are white, non-Hispanic, 68%, American Indian and Alaska Native, non-Hispanic, 14.3%, two or more races, non-Hispanic, 12.8%, two or more races that are Hispanic, 1.77%, and Black or African American, that's non-Hispanic, 1.16%. This directly communicates that if Lopez was there, he would have easily been seen or remembered because the black population in Henrietta alone is vastly low. This is why I do not believe he was ever at the truck stop or it being him that used his card there. 
We also don't know the time that a transaction was made with his debit card. This would allow us to know a timestamp to determine the time of day that Lopez was possibly there or in the vicinity of Henrietta at R&R. Or the time someone else was there in Henrietta at R&R and swiped his card. A recent surgery. Taylor made an interesting mention. Lopez recently underwent reconstructive surgery on his ankles and arms from a motorcycle accident in 2020. He had acquired money from the accident. Because he had this reconstructive surgery on his ankles, it would have made it challenging to walk that distance in that terrain. This could mean his shoes were actually planted there at the scene. Taylor mentioned that the shoes were positioned facing each other while stuck in the mud. The phone records. I know what you're thinking. Where are the phone records and have they been checked? Well, yes and no. In September, two months after Lopez's disappearance, Detective Flores and Rosenberg eventually obtained a subpoena for the phone records. But it was only for one phone. Lopez had two phones. The phone that was subpoenaed was for the phone that he recently changed numbers on, and it wasn't the phone that was found in his truck by Taylor. The phone that was found in his vehicle, which was the phone he had for years, was not subpoenaed. I found this discovery to be quite strange because really both phone records should have been subpoenaed, especially the phone that was found in his truck that was dumped in next to his wallet, digital camera, GoPro camera, and memory cards. So who dumped the truck? As mentioned, Lopez's truck was found in heavy terrain in Howe. The scene looked as if it were staged. There were no other tire tracks and only his. The location of the truck was not a location that someone would frequent unless they know the area is there. The location is also, again, five hours away from Rosenberg. The question is, if it wasn't Lopez that drove that distance himself, then who felt comfortable enough to go through with this act to transport his vehicle that distance and for his car to be used two hours away from Howe, which totals seven hours away from Rosenberg where Lopez was last seen? The Biker Gang The motorcycle club that Lopez is a part of is called All Sports Riders, MC. The club has several chapters in different states, with the closest chapter being in the next state over in Louisiana. The members that were in Lopez's circle are white, black, and Hispanic. Lopez had hosted an event gathering at his tattoo shop, Dear Life Tattoos, which opened in early 2021. The event was on Saturday, July 3, 2021. His motorcycle club brothers were all invited and attended. According to Taylor, she mentioned that one of the members contacted her and said that Lopez kicked them out of the shop. Now, I found this odd because why did he kick them out? What events led him to have them to leave the event and the shop? Something had to transpire in order for this to occur. We just don't know exactly what. Keep in mind that this event took place on Saturday, July 3rd, and he was reported missing on Thursday, July 8th and his truck was found on Friday, July 9th. This means that something transpired, possibly at the event, and within days something happened to Lopez that left us without answers for nearly two years. 
Lopez's apartment robbed. Twice. It's no secret that a few of the brothers from the motorcycle club broke into Lopez's apartment, according to Taylor. I don't have a date of when his apartment was broken into, but it happened twice, and they were caught on camera. The members stole their bikes and Lopez's bikes from his apartment. Lopez was in the process of fixing their bikes or making additions to it. One member actually told Taylor that he took Lopez's bike and will give it back once he returns. That is quite interesting. No charges were brought against the members for breaking and entering and stealing items. Though it was their bikes, they still broke into someone's home. A missing person's home. Their quote-unquote brother's home. The question that I have is why haven't any charges been brought onto those involved? And why did they feel the need to break into his home, destroy possible evidence, and have no fear that they would suffer consequences for committing a crime? And you can take that how you choose. Another revelatory component is that none of Lopez's brothers in the motorcycle club helped with the search, nor were they formally questioned by Rosenberg PD. However, they did drive the five hours to the site of Lopez's truck that was left abandoned. Like I mentioned earlier, Taylor expressed her concerns with them visiting the site due to the possibility that they may be planting things at the site or removing items. Detective Flores stated, according to Taylor, that they cannot make them talk or come in for questioning. Why wouldn't they talk to share what they know? Why didn't they go in for questioning? Lopez did have two true friends. There is one who recently relocated to Texas from Tennessee and one who was a childhood friend in Chicago. I also should note that neither friend has been interviewed. Though they are not believed to be involved, but they are friends with Lopez and that should be standard protocol to also bring them in for questioning. You know, perhaps Lopez may have shared some details with them. This case is currently at a standstill. Taylor has been diligent with doing her own investigation. She has found some things out, but preferred to keep a lot of what she knows or speculates close to her for her own safety and the safety of her children. My closing thoughts. This case took me some time to research. The details are very slim. I've seen different accounts, and a lot of the intricate details of the case are on social media. Taylor has not done a lot of interviews because this isn't something she's versed in. I mean, really, no one is versed in looking for a missing person until it happens to them. The disappearance of Lopez is odd. I believe the answers are there. People know what happened, but it's a matter of getting people to talk. I also believe that the motorcycle club may have ties to law enforcement or an organized group which may directly correlate to the lack of concern. Law enforcement has made mention that they don't believe no foul play is involved and Lopez just walked away from his life. Though this may actually be true and not unheard of, but the facts of the case are convincing that he didn't just walk away. Though adults have a legal right to go missing, something happened in the days leading to his disappearance. Without a solid timeline on his movement after July 7th, see who he spoke to, or know all of what happened that caused him to believe he disrespected someone and did not have the chance to apologize, it's hard to pinpoint a date, a timeline, and a motive. We know something occurred at his event that he hosted at his tattoo shop. 
but we don't know what exactly. Why did he think he would not get a chance to apologize? Did Lopez find out some information about someone that he had an altercation with and found out that the person is connected to something or someone that will make sure he doesn't get a chance to apologize? That statement lets me know that he had a run-in with someone who has rank. Whatever it was, it was bothering him. It bothered him so much that he communicated it to Taylor. The question is, who did he disrespect? I find it hard to believe that he didn't give a name to Taylor during this call. The natural response would have been to ask who is this person he disrespected and what happened. I do believe this information was given, or alluded to, but it cannot be shared due to her safety and the safety of her children. Whoever is involved, they were pretty familiar with that area and how. I can't confirm if Lopez actually did drive out that way, but it is unlikely since he had no known connections in the area. Who was comfortable enough to drive someone's vehicle five hours away without the possibility of being caught with the now missing person's vehicle? I also want to know why wasn't street cameras checked and toll stations? This is why I believe the person he disrespected had to be someone with authority or a part of an organization. We have to also look at the way his vehicle was found and the contents in his vehicle. His truck was dumped there. After reviewing the photos that were posted to the Facebook page dedicated to finding Lopez, I saw a photo of the gear shift in reverse. This is interesting to note because there is also a creek nearby. Whoever had dumped the truck may have put it in reverse so that it can reverse into the creek to totally conceal the vehicle, which further pushes the narrative that Lopez's truck was dumped there. Fortunately, this did not work probably due to the heavy terrain preventing this to happen. Now this is just speculation. I also saw this exact ideology from Taylor in a comment reply to someone. I wanted to know about tire tracks. After scouring the Facebook page, I learned that there weren't any other tire tracks visible except the tire tracks from his truck. As for the contents in his truck, mostly everything was wiped clean. This is another component of the case that I can't confirm if it was done by Lopez or whoever is responsible for his disappearance. If so, whether it was done by Lopez or someone else, why? What was on his devices that someone wanted to conceal and leave them there in his truck? As I mentioned, once Taylor reinstalled the Messages app, she noticed that several messages were already deleted beyond June 23rd. This lets me know that there was something being discussed in those days, calls were made, and who knows what else on his phone. There was also his debit card used two hours away from Howe in Henrietta, Oklahoma. I don't think that was him using his card. In fact, I don't believe he ever left Texas. Law enforcement claimed that the surveillance cameras were checked at the truck stop, but I don't know if they really were. Because his card was used, there should be an estimated time of the transaction. There are several amenities there at R&R, and we don't have confirmation on exactly how or what his card was used for. Taylor made mention that he did have a large amount of money in his bank account, and none was withdrawn. So it seems that a transaction was made for a purchase. This could have been done to throw things off if a potential investigation took place or the card could have just been lost, 
someone picked it up, and used it. Then, you have to consider the fact that Henrietta is across state lines and two hours away. If someone did pick it up, where did they pick it up from? To just so happen to use it in another state and the owner of the card is missing. Do you see where I'm going with this? I also would like to know if there has been any other movement on his bank card since the transaction. I did research on biker gangs or motorcycle clubs, and there is a stigma with them. The stigma is that these clubs have been involved in organized crime, trafficking, drugs, and other criminal activity. This is not to say that this is what Lopez's motorcycle club was into, but we do have to look at all angles like we do with every case. You have some clubs that are all about riding. Then you have some that are all about riding and other things. According to the Department of Justice, I have a direct excerpt from an article published on their website in September 1993 by Arthur S. Trethewey. Quote, Biker gangs have become increasingly sophisticated in recent years. New gangs are forming, and old gangs are building with little recognition from law enforcement. Biker clubs lack the organizational polish of organized crime, but they maintain hierarchical structures with bylaws, constitutions, dues, and rules. Bikers make a point of learning about law enforcement so that they can learn from police mistakes. Bikers use computers, cellular phones, complex surveillance equipment, sophisticated weapons, and pagers. Motorcycle gangs network with other type of gangs and countercultures, such as prison gangs and white supremacists. They have sometimes formed liaisons with police officers or other government officials. Their models illustrate their beliefs and values. To address motorcycle gangs effectively, police must use cooperation, communication, and commitment. End quote. I have to say, that excerpt is telling. It does offer some context in the structure and practice of some motorcycle club culture. This leads me into my next concern. Law enforcement. Law enforcement did take action to help with the case. But to what extent? They found no evidence of foul play. Because of that, I would like to know what exactly was revealed in the investigation that attenuates that there was no foul play even through the facts and circumstances surrounding his disappearance, which says otherwise, but framed to look as if he just walked away. Moreover, Lopez may have walked away, but with him having that large amount of money in his account and it not being touched, assumingly no clothes taken, and him leaving his devices behind, erased, it just doesn't seem completely likely. Possibly, but not entirely likely. I mean, that possibility can't be eliminated just yet. I've seen the comments, and many believe law enforcement is somehow involved. This isn't something that I will directly speak on or insinuate about. But I do wonder who the person Lopez feared and what type of authority they held. Who they had connections to. Is this a racially charged case where it could have been a white supremacist involved with ties to a member? We just don't know. This all seems planned and organized. One thing is for certain that whatever was in those deleted messages it may still be accessible in his iCloud. 
I don't believe Lopez was ever at the truck stop, and I doubt he drove the distance to Howe just to dump his car then get away. In fact, I researched the nearest truck stop to Howe, Texas. The closest truck stop is in a neighboring city and Texas. If Lopez did dump his truck, left behind his devices, and completely walked away from his life, how would he have gotten to Henrietta, Oklahoma, two hours away? I would think he would go to the nearest truck stop, which is in Ann, Texas, and only 16 minutes away from Howe to get a ride to cross state lines. If he did do this and hitched a ride from the truck stop in Ann to Henrietta and he used his bank card there, why didn't he withdraw any money? There is no footage of him ever being at that truck stop in Henrietta. Though his card was used, it seems as if he was never there. I would like to know who used his card and was it one of his brothers from his motorcycle club? Or someone who may have found his card and used it? The surveillance video would have communicated this, but I don't think much effort was put into it. What it really comes down to is, who could have wanted Lopez to disappear? What could have happened that was so bad that he had to go missing? I think it's pretty clear who may be involved, or at least have information. Then we have to consider that this case may be a case where he completely left his life, even though he just opened a new business in the middle of minor updates to his shop, and things were going well. We also have to consider that it may be a random act of crime where something happened that's completely separate from any of this. Then, according to Taylor, we have to look at his motorcycle club brothers and how they broke into his apartment to retrieve their bikes and Lopez's as if they knew he wasn't going to be returning. Why would you break into someone's home to retrieve your belongings without even speaking to law enforcement? I, I guess retrieving their goods must have taken precedence over finding their brother, right? Lopez's description. At the time of his disappearance, Lopez was 32 years old, African-American, stood at 6'2", and weighed 210 pounds. Lopez was last seen wearing a solid black t-shirt and brown cargo-type camouflage pants. At the time, Lopez had medium-length locks, a mustache, and a full beard. Lopez has an Emmett Till tattoo on his right hand, a flame tattoo on his right leg, and the words Dear Life tattooed on his eyelids. Any information or leads on the disappearance of Lopez Richardson, his current whereabouts, or any information concerning Lopez, it should be directed to the Rosenberg Police Department at 832-595-3700. You can also contact Texas EquiSearch at 281-309-9500. I want to thank you for your viewership of Lopez's case. I ask that you please share so we can all help bring Lopez home. Those that love Lopez are still in search for him, and so are we. We are all awaiting his return and looking for any answers on what happened between July 6th to July 8th, 2021, and any time after and before, since we don't have a solid timeline to reference. This will help trace the exact footsteps and people that may have been in connection or in the company of Lopez. 
The cameras caught some of his members breaking into his apartment, but what about the footage of Lopez leaving his apartment building and if or when he re-entered? Until people start talking and sharing what they know, this case will remain open, unsolved, and very cold. As always, please be safe, be vigilant, and always be aware of your surroundings. May God bless and keep you all. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Isaiah 43, 2. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and old man's It's what I tell them because I try to give them hope. Do you have hope? I have hope. Um, a lot of that hope has died. He, hang, he hung around a, a big circle. He was a part of a motorcycle club. And I feel that someone knows something. It's kind of hard for someone just to disappear and not know, you know, no one know what happened.